Welcome to another podcast by Victoria Point Baptist Church. We are glad you have joined us today. If you would like to connect with us as we aim to introduce people to Jesus by connecting with our local community and beyond, you can find out more at vpbc.com.au. And Heavenly Father, Lord, we are uh, just reminded of your majesty, just reminded of your awe and uh, Lord, who you are, Lord, I, I pray that today we would all have a, a revelation of, of you, a new, fresh revelation of you. Uh, Lord, I pray that we won't be here to be entertained, we will, won't be here to, be, to enjoy this place, but to connect with you, to hear from you. So, Lord, would you challenge us? Uh, would we be open as your people to hear what you have for each of us, knowing that you do this miracle where you take this broken vessel and you you translate into life. So, Lord, we just invite your Holy Spirit to be active in our hearts and minds in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. We, um, it's quite, quite easy to want to preach a, a message on blessing. And so we're continuing this pilgrimage series, and one of the things we're looking at is the blessing and the happiness and the joy, and it can be very easy to want to talk about just the benefits of something. Um, oh, you've connect, yeah, so I'm getting, getting the, the signal, the bat signal. Uh, if you're in youth connect and go out, that'll be great. But I have found that in the West, we, we are actually obsessed with blessing. We obsess with this idea of what's in it for me. Uh, for many of us, coming to faith has been a decision of um, me and my brokenness taking hold of God and His goodness, and I get all His good. And it's, that's true, uh, but often it's uh, very much uh, uh, what, what is the tangible benefits from following Jesus. And many people can be disappointed when it doesn't work out that way. We can be disappointed with God that um, our expectations of his blessing, our expectations of what he is wanting to do in and through us aren't met, and that can leave us uh, disappointed. But we do have this obsession with wealth and with this, this obsession with things. Uh, so much so that uh, Buddha, Buddha, the statue of Buddha here I've got up, is, uh, you know, Buddha is a Hindu, Hindu Buddhist um, prophet, and um, I'm not advocating that to this morning before you throw things at me. But what I am suggesting today is that uh, in the West we, we see um, we want material, we want wealth. So Buddha is actually a really skinny guy. And um, in the West um, we portray him as a, a, a fat belly um, because in that culture having a big belly was a sign of prosperity. And so by rubbing Buddha's belly, it's, it's, it's this kind of way people in our culture often try to step into that blessing and we try to we have that have that uh, desire to have something from um, this statue of buddha but christians we can often be a bit like that in our approach with god we don't rub god's belly so yeah, bear with me but it's that approach of god i just i just want things i want i want to have the good things in my life i'm going to you because of what you can give to me 
And uh, for, for many people, even if they aren't religious, they're kind of open to the idea of Buddha. Like I, I've got some friends that uh, have no faith, no belief at all in God, and they have a statue of Buddha. And I'm confused by this. I'm like, you know, what's this? It's like a, a good vibes of good health or good prosperity. And that can be our culture, but that can infiltrate our thinking. And Jesus talks about a very, very different way of what blessing looks like, of what it is that he is wanting to do in and through us. God's favour and blessing is not a formula to work out, but a relationship to live within. It's not distant, but personal. And in many ways, there's this idea of karma, of, you know, if, you, if we are good, we get good things. Uh, this part of this Buddhist the- philosophy can per- pervade our thinking, that um, if we are good, God would bless us. Now, I can't, it, there is a little bit of, of this at, tr- at, at play as well, so I'm not saying categorically that you know, walking in step with God isn't going to give us blessing, but we can't make formulas with God. We don't control God. If God was able to be controlled, he would cease to be God. And so we need to come to consider today that he is Lord and King, and, and can consider his position of who he is. Uh, but he is a God that we serve is personal. He's not distant like the other gods. The Israelites had lots of other gods, like, like uh, Buddha, like they had lots of gods at play that were distant. And, um, and God, God has, wants us to, be, to consider and understand him in a personal way. So there's a bit of a pilgrimage on this. And uh, the relationship can be defined by fear, often fear by unknown. God is so big and huge and massive and glorious that sometimes we can, we can be afraid of him as a person, afraid of coming to him. What is, he, what is he going to do to me? Is he going to send me off to Africa to be a missionary? Um, and so our approach to God can be marked by fear. And it all comes together in this beautiful psalm of 128 where these people are travelling up to Israel and they're on a journey and a journey of engaging in in a pilgrimage to make themselves right with God and to connect with him, but also to receive from him as well. And so if you've got your Bibles, you want to turn to Psalms 128 and uh, we're going to read this. And this whole psalm talks about sort of a blessing but this first, two, first verse is absolutely key. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time on this first verse because this sets the stage for understanding how and why God is wanting to bless and have his favour on us. Uh, verse, verse 1 says, Blessed are all who fear the Lord. And we have this blessing where we're in awe of God. And it's not a natural thought of, okay, if I'm a fear of something, it's not a natural thought of I'm blessed by this. But what we need to understand is, is there's different types of fear. There's fear of terror, like you can be afraid of something, and that's not what God is saying. God's not saying, hey, be afraid and run away from me. Uh, but this word fear is an awe word. It's being in awe of God. It's considering his majesty. It's, it's, it can be a, a, a fear in a sense of being afraid. Like uh, when, people, when God encountered people throughout the Bible, usually the angels are like first trying to comfort people, don't be afraid. Um, he encourages them to know and step beyond that overwhelming how big and glorious God is. But there is a, a beautiful picture uh, here that uh, God is calling us not to be terrified, but not to be casual either. So our approach to God, sometimes in the West we can approach God in a casual way, like he's our buddy, he's our pal. 
Um, and God's saying, hey, don't be afraid, don't be, don't be terrified, but don't be casual, but be in awe of God. And I just love what Beatrice was saying about the Bible, is about uh, in, in the Muslim countries, they have so much respect and dignity for, for, for their God. And, and that would be saying of us, that God would want us to consider and a sense of awe and reverence and respect for him. And if I'm honest, that's something that I, I struggle with. I often, I don't try to disrespect God, but in the way I live out my life, it's often not reflecting the awe and the reverence of an amazing God who, who saves us. And uh, so this, this size of God, and I'm going to paint a little bit of a picture the, the big problem we have with a, an incredibly large, powerful, awesome God is that there's this distance that comes between us. And we see it at distance. It wasn't always there. Adam and Eve were walking in the cool of the garden with God during the day and the evenings. And, and they had that intimacy and proximity. There wasn't a distance there. But then sin and our man's rebellion put this massive chasm between us. And that chasm meant that we couldn't have that relationship, that intimacy with him. It's a significant issue. Uh, and it's, it's a big enough problem that we can't deal with on ourselves. And this, this all links into you know, God's provision is us knowing and experiencing him. But there's a sense of fear of God that he wants us to have, that awe, that, that this... this this chasm, have you guys ever been to the Grand Canyon? Has anyone been to the Grand Canyon? Like, it's just, when you're there, you have this, I haven't been there, but so I've been told, it's just awesome. This is an incredible void, this incredible gap that you can't cross over yourself. Um, we, we have a danger in the West that we feel like we can uh, cross that gap ourselves, that we can try to cross over and, and connect with God. And, and there's this chasm that, that, that we need to be reminded of is so big. Like, God is so glorious. I'm struggling with my words this morning, as you can tell. But what I'm trying to get at is God is so awesome. He is so awesome. He is so big, and he's so glorious, and so holy, and so righteous, that as we consider stepping in and approaching him, we, we come into that space of, of being in awe and wonder of him. But we can't cross that gap in relationship with him. He is so awesome and powerful that it's not like he can just rock up uh, on our own. And uh, that problem of sin has separated us from him in such a significant way. And in the Old Testament, you've got this, this incredible whole collection of books that detail and outline how big the problem is. How big the problem of sin and our separation from God. And how we can't cross it on our own. Uh, this is this beautiful picture that, um, that there's this relational separation that only, that only Jesus, and it points to Jesus, can provide. And often that's the biggest gripe that people have with the Bible, is that humanity is painted in a really bad way. And so when we consider how awesome God is, it highlights how sinful I am. And the, the more we, we, we consider and I have a revelation of God's glory, the, the more I recognize my sinful state. And recognizing my sinful state recognizes my need for Jesus. And uh, that is a really powerful and important as we consider what it is to, to fear God, to be in awe of him, to be in awe of, of how holy and righteous he is. Holiness 
uh, is, is a really big part of this. In Hebrews 12, 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. How good is that? Considering God as a consuming fire gives us that sense of awe, that he, he, he is not someone that we, we play cards with. And we, we come to know him as father and friend, but he is, is someone who is high and lifted up and his trains filled the temple and he's got the pictures in Isaiah, he's got pictures in Ezekiel and Revelation of, of God who is just so glorious. Would that be our approach as we consider what blessing is from him? It changes our whole attitude as how we approach him. Uh, my, uh, when, when we had kids, when we had kids, we still got kids, they're still there. Uh, um, I had, I, my wife's not here, so I can go there, but we had this debate about um, uh, makeup. And it, it's a recurring debate that we have. We've, we've, we've got two ta- teenage daughters and, and all that. You don't need makeup. I'm like, you don't need makeup, you're beautiful. And they're like, ah, um, pay, can't go into public with, with make, without makeup on. And um, I remember hearing about one, one of a friend of a friend who. Um, they were pregnant, and last trimester, they um, put makeup on every day. They got up in the morning, put makeup on, just in case they had to go into hospital and give birth. <laughs> and it's like, oh, okay, that's uh, that's kind of a little bit ridiculous. But there's the fear of being seen for what they are was such a real thing. Uh, and in our sinful state, uh, relationship with God is a truly terrifying thing. It's a truly terrifying thing to consider our sinful state. This is before we come to Christ. Is a truly terrifying thing to consider how holy He is and how sinful I am, and uh, that that is our significance of recognizing our need for Jesus, to recognize our dependence on Him. There's a great divide, a great chasm between that only Jesus can fill. And I love this sense of awe that, he, that God brings as we consider what he has done and what he continues to do. Uh, awe, reverence, uh, respect positions us to respond to Jesus, to his message of grace. Now, when Jesus came to earth to, to bridge this gap, this relational gap, he bridged not just a relational, but to engage with us and to give us his own life. Um, there were two people on the cross on the side of him. And one of, the, one of the guys, the two thieves on the cross, and in Luke 23, 39, we read, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? Since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve, but this man has done nothing wrong. So you've got two thieves one of them's looking at Jesus for convenience. He's like, why are you there, Jesus? Can you set, get us off the cross? And the other thief recognizes and has this fear of God. Don't you fear God? doesn't have that awe of God. And that awe of God led, led that second thief hanging on the cross into a paradise, into a place of relationship with God. And so having awe of God is really, really important. It's really, really important as we take steps in our pilgrimage to encounter a living God is that we consider and not, not be fear, terror, but be fear, awe of God. It's that awe struck, just incredible magnificence of God. And that encourages us and engages us to know him more. 
I wonder if, if we have awe in our life, if we have that sense of fear and respect and reverence towards God. I just wonder what that looks like in your life today. Because when we turn to the next verses and we look at blessing, that sort of outplays from that. If we've got a, a disrespect, if we've got a, a loosey-goosey, you know, Jesus is my buddy, then how we approach the concept of blessing is going to be, it's all about me. It's all what I can get from you. It's a God of convenience, not the God we actually need. So fear of God points us to Jesus. Uh, but Jesus is the way, not just a way. And we have this healthy respect for God. In a, in a healthy respect for God, we recognise our need for a saviour. And no one comes to the Father except through me. So John 14, 6, Jesus becomes central in our faith to bridge the gap between us and our Heavenly Father. Isaiah 61, 10, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and rayed me in a robe of righteousness. So this gap is closed because Jesus gives us his righteousness. We become right in relationship with God because of the work of Jesus. The Spirit gives us and enables us to know God as Dad, as Abba Father. Romans 8.15, we can cry out to him as Abba Father. So we can know God personally. The, the God of the Buddha and the God of the other faiths and beliefs in, in the world, there, there's a distance there. You know, Christianity is so unique. Christianity is not just a, a belief in a God, it's a knowing and experiencing and having intimacy with God. But knowing and experiencing and having intimacy with God also comes with understanding and recognising the incredible power he has. He breathed the universe into existence. He spoke it into being. He is awesome. Let's consider the awe in that. A verse, the next part of that verse that we're reading in uh, Psalms 128, it says this, it says, those who walk in obedience to him. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. And I think this is really significant that uh, obedience flows from a sense of awe and wonder. Uh, it, it's very easy. M most other religions and beliefs and faith systems in the world have, a, have this approach that I obey to get close to God. Jesus is like, no, I'll do all the work. You come close to God. Now, obedience is gratitude. I obey and listen and respond to the heart of God because I'm saved, not to be saved. That's really, really foundational that we understand that, that we don't obey God to be saved, but because we're saved, we get the joy and gratitude of responding in the love relationship of obedience. Great point, Sam. Well done. <laughs> There's this, this is blessing that as we come close to God and walk in step with him that he wants us to have. And it's kind of like a picture. Uh, Paul had this, the hand of God um, a couple of weeks ago, the hand of God that we were sort of under his provision. And I love that. But I, I, I'm more a colourful umbrella type person. So I, I see the protection and provision of God um, being obedient to him is like being next to him under an umbrella. And where God goes, if we stay in step with him, we see, we see this natural blessing and favour that flows on our lives. And it's something that's a beautiful thing to be a part of. Once again, it's not a formula. 
It's not saying staying close to God is going to make you rich. Don't go there. That's not what it's saying. But it's saying that the favor of God, the blessings of God, and we're going to talk about a little bit what those blessings are because that's the real meat of this. But staying in step with him, aligning our thinking desires and our heart attitudes with him keeps us in the space of his protection, of his favor and his blessing. It's a beautiful place to be. Awe of God. It's just a beautiful thing to consider us staying close to him. And so we're going to look at uh, the, the blessing concept because in verse 2, the rest of the psalm, it talks about blessing. And so we'll look at blessing redefined. We, we often have a very narrow view of blessing. Uh, let's go verse... Yeah, there's my umbrella. It's not very colourful. Verse 2, you'll eat the fruit of your labour. Your blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. I haven't considered what that looks like for my wife. <laughs> what does that look like? Uh, your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this is the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. And the context here is, is that kids were the greatest blessing of the time. Like in, when the Psalms wrote this uh, 2,500 years ago, at least, uh, the author was writing about the greatest blessing you can have. And at that time, kids were the greatest blessing. Now, it, it might be different for you in your situation, uh, but what it is saying here is, is that the greatest blessing is connected to the blesser. The greatest blessings are found in that intimacy and relationship with God. As you walk in obedience, as we fear and have posture ourselves in a position of, of intimacy with him, he is able and willing and wanting to bless. But we have a distorted view on blessing. Like, I just want to say that. We, we get this all wrong so often. Uh, Jesus, Jesus is the greatest gift. He is the greatest blessing that we have. And, and we, we often think material things. When I say, what does a blessed life look like? What, what goes to the top of your list? Money. I mean, I, I just say it because we're all thinking it. Uh, blessed life, money, health. There's things that are uh, there that go to the top of our list. Um, now, all these things that we think are a blessing are temporary. What God is actually wanting to give his children, his people who follow in step with him, is a blessing that has eternal consequence, that is eternal based. And, and this is the blessing. You know, it's, I think it's interesting that we, we still want to get rich, um, and we want money. Uh, was it 70% of lotto winners are bankrupt within three years? It's temporary. We temporary things. We're like, God, chasing after temporary things, and God is like, I don't want to just give you temporary things. I want to give you eternal things. Would you trust me for the blessing? Would we trust God for what blessing looks like in your life? God will provide what you need in a season you're in for where God is calling you in his purposes and plans for you. Do we trust him in that? You see where this awe of God kicks in? If we don't have a reverence and respect for God, we're going to be telling God what to do. We're going to be playing the God card. But when we have an awe and respect, it's like, oh God, I just want to be where you want me to be. I want to be led by you. Not my will, but yours be done. That comes from this posture of fear and awe and respect and wonder. The greatest gift God can give us is himself. I just want to sit on that because sometimes we just flippantly jump to material things, temporary things. The greatest gift, the greatest blessing in your life is not a thing. It's a relationship with a heavenly father. 
And But it's not just that. It continues. Because we have that relationship with God, we also have His Spirit living in and through us. And the next verse continues. It says, May the Lord bless you, your children. Yeah, yeah, I've read that one. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you live to see your children's children. So this context is from Zion. May you... I'll go back one. There we go. May the Lord bless you from Zion. So it's out of that relationship. Zion's considered where God dwells. It's his place. And so it's saying, it's saying the blessings flow from him. It's from proximity, from intimacy with him. It's from his presence. It's out of that relationship. And Galatians 5 talks about the beautiful gifts that his spirit wants to give us. And I want to suggest today that of all the blessings in life that you can possibly get, the fruit of the spirit, the fruit of what God does in our lives, by far trumps it all. <clears throat> Let me explain. Everything else is temporary. But what God is saying is, hey, I don't want to just give you things that are temporary. I want to bless you to be a source of blessing. See, it's, greater, it's better to be... It's a greater joy to be able to give than to receive. And it's a, a bit of a proverb we use in our community when we try to get our kids to enjoy Christmas and giving. Um, and it, but there is a blessing. There's a significance there. Of it's, we, we are meant to be a source of blessing, not a dam of blessing. We are meant to be a river of blessing that God blesses through us to be a blessing, not to be a dam where we just store it all up. And so because of that, we, we see what his work does. Us. In Galatians 5.22, we, we see the fruit of the Spirit, love. How would your world change if you had an abundance of God's love throwing in your workplace, throwing, flowing through you into your school, into your family? That has eternal consequence and significance if God's love is, is visible in your everyday life. That is significant. That is an incredible blessing, not just on you, on your family. Do you know your relationships get infinitely better when God's love is flowing through you? Infinitely. My wife actually really enjoys me. Um, when, I'm, you know, when God's love is working through my life, and I'm not saying this, I'm giving her a bad rap. She's an awesome lady. Uh, but God's love desires to flow through us, that we be the source. Love, and then you've got joy to have... Incredible joy, no matter the situation, no matter the circumstance. That is, that is the blessed life. That is the bestest life, that whatever situations you're in, you have God's joy in you, flowing through you. How good is that? That is, that is the blessings that he has. And I'm not just saying God limits his blessings to spiritual things. He might want to give you material things and bless you, because he's a God who loves to dote on us and he loves to give us good things. But our expectations from him shouldn't be, make me a comfortable life. My expectations are, I just want to be with you, God, where you are. Send me where you want me to go. Uh, but as he does, these are the promises that he has. These are the things we can take to the bank. The fruit of the Spirit. When we allow the Spirit of God to change us and we don't block him off or shut him down. Love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness and self-control. If I missed any, I'm sorry. They're, they're, they're these things that God is wanting us to be a carrier of blessing to the world. How good is that? That is the blessing that he is wanting us to operate in. It is a fruit of surrender. Sometimes we don't talk about this, but one of the, one of the beautiful things as we consider how awesome and we walk in the fear of God 
and we walk in that fear is it's that capacity that we have to surrender our desires, our agenda. When we see God as capable and competent and glorious and good and we walk in that awe of how incredible he is, you know, it's a lot easier to bend the knee and surrender my desires and my agenda. God, I just want you. I just want you. <laughs> like that, that is enough. I just want you. Anything else is bonus. We get him. What a blessing that is. God gives us what we need in the season we're in for his purposes. So as a church, our encouragement here is to realign our values, realign our vision, realign our heart's purpose. And if we spend time with him, God, would you take us on your pilgrimage? Not would we forge our own pilgrimage? And sometimes we can get the bulldozer out and like, now this is where I'm going, God, please bless my, my bulldozer. And God's like, no, I want you to follow my path that I have for you. The path is going to go through seasons of pain, seasons of frustration, seasons of needing and being dependent on God. This is all part of God's pilgrimage. And this is that awe of God, the surrender, not my will but yours be done. May you live to see your children's children. There's a lasting legacy here. This is a picture of a lasting legacy. This isn't saying just kids are everything. Kids are awesome. We love kids here. But it's about the legacy that you leave. And the blessing that we have, the temporary things that we often chase after, the temporary things we often pray for, is not the heart of what God is actually wanting for us necessarily. The heart of what he wants us is to, to be salt and light. And the best way we can be salt and light is when he generates this fruit in and through us. My dad, as a, as a, young, as a young kid, he, he said, he said, Sam, he said to all of us as a family, he said, guys, my one, my one thing... The one thing I want is that you guys would know him, we'd know God, and that we could be together as a family in heaven. He said, nothing else matters. I said, don't care if you become superstar famous, if you, if you work as a cleaner for 10 years. Evidently, I did work as a cleaner for 10 years. Um, but it, it doesn't, it's like, I don't care what you do. I just want to make sure that we're together and that I know that we can be a family in heaven. And it's that legacy that, and it's not saying that, hey, if we have awe and fear and reverence of God, that all our family's going to come to faith. But I'm saying is, is that the blessings of God by walking in step and having an awe and reverence of God allows the people closest to you to see the reality of God at work in your life. So my kids hopefully look at my life and see, I want that. I want that. I want that love in my life. I want to be changed. And I want, I want to belong. And so that, that is this call. May you live to see your children's children. It's that long life. It's that legacy of what God is wanting to do. God, would you turn my fears of you into an awe and wonder? I love this picture. It's that God of... I, I, I don't understand all the things you've got. You're so big, so mysterious, so glorious. But what I do know about you is I want to know more about you. Would you take me on that journey? Would you draw me into this pilgrimage of awe and wonder? Would I stop looking at the benefits of following you and start enjoying following you? Let's pray. Lord, I just want to say thank you for, for, for forgiveness. Thank you for, uh, Lord, for bridging that gap, that huge chasm between us and God. 
uh, Lord, what a blessing that is, uh, that we can say, stay with confidence that we know where we're going. Lord, thank you for bridging that gap. Lord, thank you for the blessings that are in you, the promises that we can hold on to, that we are forgiven, that we are freed. Lord, that sin doesn't need to hold on to us anymore, that we don't need to be controlled by it anymore. We don't need to be held under, as captive by it. Uh, Lord, that we can turn to you and be freed. And so, Lord, I just thank you for that. Thank you for the work that you're doing in my life. Lord, would you do more work in my life? Would, would you do more work in our life? Lord, would you soften our hearts and would you mould us into the person you want us to become? So, Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would work in your people and bring out the gifts and the fruit that you desire. Lord, would that be our blessing to this world? Would that be our blessing to the nation that we are in? That they might see a living God in our daily life. So, Lord, we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.